I was going to talk about technology somewhat today. <laughs> Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we are so grateful that in such a busy time and at the end of such a busy week, we can come here to your house and hear an incredible offer of rest. And many of us need that today. Our problem is we don't really know how to reach out and receive it. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will now work and open our hearts and minds to understand not only the offer, but how to appropriate it to our lives. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I was strolling in front of the sanctuary last week, looking at those benches that we often ignore. They're, every one of them has a beautiful verse on it. And just outside the front door is one that says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And it's positioned right there out on Santa Cruz as everybody's racing by every day. And it's kind of the voice of Jesus going unnoticed. And I thought of the conversations that I'd had with people just this week, and they all seem to have a central theme that goes something like this. I'm tired, overloaded, stressed out. My strength is being drained by the sheer velocity of my life. Where is the joy and peace that Jesus promised to those who trust him? You know, it really seems, and we're well acquainted with it, that our culture is infected with what many call the hurry sickness. Dr. Swenson, in his book, The Overload Syndrome, which I recommend to people like myself afflicted with this syndrome, quotes a mother saying, I'm so tired, my idea of vacation is a trip to the dentist I just can't wait to sit in that chair and relax. Now there's a lady who's stressed out. But it's as close to home as one of our elders who recently underwent surgery and said, I looked forward to the anesthesia of sleep followed by days in bed when someone would take care of me. That's tired. You see, many of us know our lives are hyperextended, frantic, out of control. And we're not just tired. I'm perceiving many people are exhausted. We don't have time or energy for even simple joys. My daughter called last week and said, Dad, let's have lunch. We looked at her schedule, we looked at mine, and we couldn't find any space in the next two weeks for lunch. So we had to settle for coffee at Starbucks. I wanted to ask, where is the pause button for our lives? Where do we go when we feel tired and heavy laden, wrung out? Where do we go for breathing room? Jesus says you can come to me. He's, he offers solutions for this overload syndrome. But unfortunately, sort of like the ignored bench out in front, we, we just get so caught up, we forget this offer from Jesus. We ignore his wisdom about balance between work and rest, which God built into creation. He built into us. And we ignore it until the symptoms become so painful we can't ignore them anymore, like... I hate my job. My joy has been replaced with a sense of quiet desperation. A motor keeps running full speed inside of me and I can't shut it off. I feel angry or depressed most of the time. I don't have any emotional fuel to give anyone, not even my family or my friends. Questions asked by the writer of Ecclesiastes so long ago seem strangely modern. What has a man from all the toil and strain with which he toils beneath the sun? 
for all his days are full of pain and his work is a vexation. And even in the night, his mind does not rest. You see, overload is not a product of 1999 in Silicon Valley. The writer of Ecclesiastes had it way back before Jesus Christ's time. You see, it's a spiritual problem. It's a disobedience to God's plan for us. For example, how many of us who take the name Christian and say Jesus is our Lord have ever asked our Lord, is my current lifestyle your will for me? Am I carrying responsibilities you never intended me to carry alone? Have I adopted habits, priorities, goals, and values that destined me for overload? And if so, Lord, what can I do about it? The good news this morning and why he brought us here is that Jesus wants to give us a solution for those of us who know our lives are out of control. And they're really quite simple solutions, sort of. A first solution is come to me, three words, all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. It's good to know that Jesus offers believers something more than the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and mandates to do more, like more servanthood. Do you realize he also wants to give you a quality of life now that makes life worth living? He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that wasn't referring to heaven. That was referring to now. And that's the chapter many of us as evangelical Christians miss. I want to ask a practical question that makes this solution really not so simple. How well do you know Jesus really? When he says, come to me, I wonder what went through your mind. Does that compute? Is he... Is he a person so real, as real as any person in this congregation this morning? Do you realize that he's a resurrected Savior present with us because we're gathering in his name and he's potentially your closest and best friend? I wonder, do you understand he's offering himself when he says, I want to share your life, your burdens, your fears. And there's no deadline at work that you have to meet, no decision that you have to make, no burden you have to bear, no illness you have to face, that as my disciple you have to face alone. I'm here for you. And at that moment when you feel you can't take another step or face another Monday morning, grab my hand and let me share your load. Do you know Jesus like that? Do you trust him enough to believe that this offer is not just words, but personally directed to you today? When I feel totally expended and depleted and exhausted, and I feel that way more than I care to confess, and I wonder how I'm going to face another day, you know what I can do? And I can say this with full authority. I go to Jesus, and I tell him what's going on inside of me, and I just simply say, help. And he does. Doug was telling us last Tuesday about the night his father died. He was seven years old, and his mother came into the bedroom to break the news to him. And his first question to her was, Mom, is it going to be okay? And he claims how he remembers every detail of that moment like it was yesterday. And he remembers how she gave him reassurance 
sufficient to calm the heart of a frightened seven-year-old boy by simply saying, you know, I'm going to be here for you. I'm not going to go away. And that's all you need to know. It's going to be okay. If I could simplify this message of Jesus, that's basically what he's saying to us today. No matter what's churning in your life, causing you stress and overload, he's trying to tell you, I'm here and it's going to be okay. When we're caught in the mire of overload, when we don't see solutions and we come to Jesus in desperation asking, are you there? He say, yes, I am. Come unto me. And his answer is sufficient. I'm here for you and I'm not going to go away. And that's all we need to know as Christians. But the question becomes again, do we know him? Do we trust him? That great song, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Is he really your friend today? I find that that's not the case in a lot of people who attend here week after week. Are you overloaded? Come to Jesus. He's available and he's that personal. And if he isn't that for you, let's begin there and find out how Jesus can be your friend. A second solution, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. What we discover here is that trusting Jesus enough to believe that he's here to partner with us in our life now is learned behavior. Learning requires time, and I need to say there is no quick fix for the overload syndrome, for a life out of control. We didn't get to this condition overnight. It's not going to be cured overnight. But Jesus does offer specific solutions or steps by, way, by which we can break our bondage. And a first and foremost one, Jesus models the reality that we have limits. One of the most neglected part of the Gospels, the story of Jesus, is his daytimer. If you ever look at it from that perspective, it's interesting to me that Jesus consistently withdrew from the frantic pace of his ministry, usually at the times of peak activity when his disciples were amazed. He was saying, Lord, you've got, finally got the crowds. They're with you. What in the world are you doing walking away? And he'd trot away and go up to a mountain and do two things. He'd pray and he'd relate intimately with his close friends. Jesus recognized he had limits. Recognizing limits, though, and here's the problem, is to swim against the very current of the culture that's around us, pressing upon us every day. It pushes us to assault our limits, to push through the pain barrier, to press the envelope. We wear two badges proudly in Silicon Valley. One, no limits. And secondly, if you're not moving faster every day, you're falling behind. But these badges we wear proudly and we should wear with repentance. You know, speaking of the technology of my mic, I was thinking of our beepers and our email and our cell phones and our voicemail that keep us in contact 24 hours a day. Things that supposedly save us time and what it really means is we have no downtime. And the facts are, none of us possess inexhaustible energy. We're caught up in a race and we don't have the energy to keep up. No one can continue running on empty and not suffer consequences. Limits are real. Jesus modeled it for us as Paul the Apostle so wisely wrote. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all the surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
You know, I started jogging 35 years ago, long before even jogging shoes were on the market. And I love to run. But over the years, gradually, I've developed a neck problem so that every time I ran, I had a tremendous pain that night. But I kept on running because I like running. It made me feel good and I didn't want to give it up until finally the pain became so acute, I had to make a change because my body had limits. My solution, I started to walk. And my neck pain stopped and recent research confirms that walking is as good as for our health as jogging. Interesting, isn't it? But how about you? Are you living as if you have no limits even though everybody around you is telling you, hey, slow down? Are you running when you should be walking? God has a way of giving us wake-up calls when we're exceeding our limits. And I believe he brought many of us here today to hear some. Again, listen to some of the wake-up calls. There are many. Here's just a few, probably out of my own heart. You feel grumpy, depressed, and angry most of the time. You have a hate-love relationship with your job, mostly hate. You dream of escape. Your relationships suffer, and you live with a fear of heart attack, stroke, or some sudden illness. And perhaps worst of all, you say, I don't have a life. How sad for a Christian to have to say that. When Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, not just eternal, but now. Now, if this sounds like you, Jesus is saying today, these are cries from your souls, and, and they're God's built-in wake-up call that you have limits. So what do you do? Well, take, take a simple step like schedule time in advance for rest and for downtime like Jesus did. And in that time, for pray and have safe relationships that recharge your battery. You know, you hear me talk a lot about prayer. I couldn't survive without it. I'm going to say that every time in this pulpit. I, have dis I, I take morning walks. I've told you about that. I get out about 5.15. And you know, I get out there for an hour and I offload before my day even starts. I offload unto God all the things churning in my soul. And that sets the pace for the day. And this habit of quiet plays a major role in my staying sane in a frantic world. Because in the morning, I remember I have limits. But I have a partner in Jesus who has no limits. And I can offload into him. And he's invited me to do that. And he doesn't get tired. The writer of Hebrews talks about God wanting us to enjoy rest. When we don't schedule quiet into our calendar, we're disobeying God and brothers and sisters. That's why many of us are suffering the overload syndrome today. It's one of the commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We neglect it at our peril. Life for the Christian is not meant to be a frantic struggle with exhaustion and desire for escape. And I can only tell you, if Jesus habitually needed to retreat to a lonely place to share his burdens with his heavenly father and to kick up his feet with his friends in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, where he could just be himself in a safe environment, if he needed that, how much more do you and I need that? Downtime to relate with God and safe people, to unload what's on our hearts. That's a first very easy God-mandated solution. You know, this last week I was reflecting on the huge laundry list of new challenges facing our church. I told you about them in this Vision 2000. I found there's two things I could do for that. I can take responsibility to make 2000, Vision 2000 happen, 
or I can turn it over to God and say, this is your responsibility. I found stress churning inside of me when I began to think this is my job until I took time to pray. And then I told God something like this, Lord, this has got to be your responsibility. I can't carry it. I can't solve it. But I do trust you for answers and for strength. I'm weary and I need your rest inside my soul. And you know what? A sense of peace kind of just spread over me once I turned over to him what was beyond my control. I gave to Jesus wasn't what wasn't my responsibility in the first place. I had just opted to carry it. I claimed his promises that he would take care of things, that everything was going to be okay. And the next day, solutions began to fall into place. How about you? What are you carrying that God didn't want you to carry? What's beyond your control that you know it, but you haven't given it to him? And don't you know he's just waiting like the ignored bench saying, come on to me, put it on me. That's what you were created to do and be. That's who I am. I want to partner with you. I want to tell you because Jesus would tell you today, it's okay to have limits because he makes up for what we lack. He enjoys filling in the blanks. We don't have to be Superman. We don't have to be Superwoman. And that's what it means to share his yoke. And that truth can give rest to our souls this morning. I want to close with some specific solutions to overload that have worked for me that are out of Swenson's book or out of my life. I'm sure there are others. At the very top of the list, if you aren't doing it, schedule a time for prayer, preferably early in the morning, in which before you even start your day, you offload life stresses under the shoulders of one who loves you infinitely, Jesus, and then leave them there. It works. Schedule in advance time to be with family, friends, or small groups. One elder said to me, I have miles of acquaintances that run one inch thick. That's very sad. Real friends that we love and trust take time to cultivate. They're one of life's best treasures, and they save us from sinking in overload. I need to tell you, I've made a covenant that I'll never again be in a position where if my daughter calls for lunch, we have to wait two weeks. There's something very wrong with a schedule that full. Take control of your schedule. Practice saying no. No is a good word. Here's a, a covenant from your pastor. All, we, all year we've been saying, get into servanthood. Let's do more for Jesus Christ. Don't do one thing in servanthood until you've subtracted something from your schedule. Jesus isn't in the business of hyper-loading you. It's that let's get rid of the lesser things that don't have eternal value so we can start getting into kingdom business. But don't do both. It'll exhaust you. And the church is not in the business of exhausting people. And then obey the biblical mandate to take one day a week for rest. I've mentioned that my son's in dental uh, school down in Loma Linda. That's a Seventh-day Adventist community. I didn't know a lot about those people. Six o'clock Friday, the town closes down and doesn't open till six o'clock Saturday night. And those people stay in their homes and they rest. And that's archaic except that when I was a boy in a Baptist church, I remember we couldn't even find a market open on Sunday on our way home from church. You see, it used to be that way. Now we go 24 hours a day, seven days a week at our peril. It's a good idea to remember one day for rest. 
and then pray about this overload syndrome. Recognize it for what it is. It's a deadly disease. It's from the devil himself and we'll never conquer it unless the Holy Spirit gives us power to overcome this. It's not anything you're going to do by discipline. It will take a miracle. But God's in the business of miracles. It was no coincidence that Jesus brought you here today to hear an offer. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Won't you receive that gift today? Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for a solution to a crazy disease. Thank you that there's a cure. Oh God, help us to make the choices and pay the costs necessary to get our lives sane again. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.